Hello listener, welcome to Switch, the podcast that always remembers to appeal. England have once again interrupted their golfing holiday in the Middle East for a spot of cricket, rocking up in Rajkot ahead of the third test. But did they commit the cardinal golfer's sin of forgetting to properly submit their scorecard? That's the big question after Rayan Ahmed became the latest Englishman to experience visa issues in India. Joining me to battle the bureaucracy and assess England's preparations for the second leg of the tour are two men whom the immigration officials could never say no to. ESPN Cricket for UK editor Andrew Miller and associate editor Vish Hantaraja. Uh, g'day chaps. Uh, we've all had, mentally at least, a week with our families in Dubai. Um, Miller, what did you get up to? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I had a weekend with my daughters. I, I am now officially a, a Swifty cliche dad. Um, so yeah, stayed up till half past four in the morning watching the Super Bowl. It's a very good game, actually. And the, and the girls were madly into it, which was really confusing. My daughter actually said to me, "It's really great. It's so slow because you've got time to understand it." I was like, <laughs> like, "Hang on, how you've been around fifteen years? I've been doing this job for longer than you've been alive. Have you never heard of Test cricket? In fact, there is a." video of her opinion of test cricket from uh, a few years ago uh, on, on twitter somewhere in which she basically says five days how do they how can they possibly go on for five days don't they get bored it's like well you made it through to 5 30 in the morning watching taylor swift's boyfriend <laughs> but so did I. it was a very good game it was, you know it, it was actually you know in, in in a very very um off the shelf summation of what i thought of the super bowl i thought it was very like the 2019 World Cup final for um, the first quarter of it was dull as ditch water. Absolutely nothing happened. Slowly but surely the excitement ramped up and then they uh, go into overtime with the last moment of the game. So uh, and it's very exciting overtime too. So there we go. It, it, as, as, an, as an intro to uh, new fans getting into a sport, it was a very good example of how to do it well. Uh, I'm just looking forward to the hundred following Nickelodeon's example and having having a having a broadcast with uh, from CBBS on the side. I'm sure they'll be taking notes and uh, won't be long before that happens. Um, the uh, the 2019 World Cup final, of course, had a, a ginger bearded uh, hero uh, at the centre of it. Oh, is, is vertical Travis Kelsey uh, ginger bearded? I mean, I might not do it to his face. He looks he looks very big, but he's uh, also quite 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 scary and likely to <laughs> likely to win a fight, judging by his altercation with his coach. So yeah, very very similar to uh, Ben Stokes as well. So uh, yeah, <laughs> fiery, passionate. I mean, there seems to be quite um, among. Uh, we were having this conversation, a sort of um, Taylor Swift dad uh, uh, initiation, but cricket esque sort of um, superstition around numbers and. Uh, um, I mean, the significance I mean, of... oh, do we really want to go in this rabbit hole? I, I, I think, I think there's well, much too short. My, my, uh, yeah, shall I go? Need... By the way, shall I, shall I head off? Please <laughs> join us. Um, you don't need kids for this bit. Um, no, no, no. We will move on swiftly, I think. But yes, just, 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 oh, yes. Fifty-eight Super Bowl added, added up is. Um, Five and three is 13, which is Taylor Swift's magic number because she was born on December 13th. You know, I know all my Swifty knowledge. Yeah. And well, and I was going to say there's even a sort of Australian twist on this in that uh, Travis Kelsey's number is 87, which is 13 shy of 100. It is. And therefore unlucky for, for some, uh, but not Taylor Swift fans, I assume. Um, no, no Super Bowl or golf for you, Vish. Um, but you did find a fair way to spend the time. Tell us about those going sunsets, cocktails by the beach, and the hardships of life on tour. Why don't you? 
Yes, yeah. Uh, well, basically, I was stocking up on on a good time um, before spending the next eight days in Rajkot, which obviously the cricket will um, will entertain me. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was lovely. Yeah, I was. Uh, it was a recommendation from uh, Quick Info's own Sid Monger. Um, he showed me a lovely time. In return, I gave him a camel CC cap. Is that right, Miller? That's right. Uh, he, he played a he... game. He... Yeah, and he uh, he wore it for the rest of the evening. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it was a well-received gift. But, um, no, lovely, lovely. And uh, most importantly, no golf to ruin it. All visa issues for me. So, yeah, a <laughs> well, success, I'd say. Yes, yes, well done. And that segues nicely into, into uh, talk of Rayan Ahmed, who... Um, doesn't like golf. We we learned if we didn't already know um, from his um, post test uh, interview, um, and uh, sort of in this this gap. And then he nearly struggled to get back into the country. Um, Vish. Um, the latest is I think that uh, England expected to all be resolved. He was a he was allowed through um, Rajkot arrivals eventually. Um, but uh, is this one we've got a pin on the on the ECB administration um, uh, department if they have such a thing? Yeah, without doubt, without doubt. Um, especially after what happened with Show Bashir and. You know, the fact that every day we were getting a, a different kind of update through no fault of the ECB zone on that particular part because, um, you know, they were told that it was going to come uh, in time for him to travel with the squad when they left Abu Dhabi the first time after their uh, pre-tour training camp. And, you know, they they understood the kind of issue they were dealing with here, not just in terms of administrative, um, you know, and legalese type issues, but but also how politically charged it was and you'd think leaving the country once more to and have to come back the fact that why not just double check why not just double check everyone's visas and basically what what has flummoxed them this time around and what they've failed to realize is the visa that Rehan Ahmed had which was from the uh, 2023 World Cup which was in India um, where he was a reserve player that didn't end up traveling over um, that was a single entry visa visa because the white ball squad just stayed in india for the for the whole tournament which ended up finishing at the group stages and they clearly only realized when they got back into rajkot and and to be fair and stokes ben stokes has said as much today um it's kind of a credit to the local authorities that they were able to wave him through even temporarily um before you know there's a there's a more concrete resolution because they'd have been well within their rights to be like, sorry, lads, you, you mm. know how it works. You've had, you've had <laughs> plenty of time talking about it. You know, the ins and outs and you've messed up here, but you know, fair play to um, the authorities in Gujarat. They, they didn't do that. And, you know, by all accounts, it should be resolved in the next 24 to 48 hours, which <laughs> in time for the third test. Yes, just about in time for the third test. I mean, Miller, there must be a, 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 just a smidge of doubt around that. 
rare that we would be um, ever giving a pat on the back for Indian border authorities, I'd say as well. But uh, interestingly, Ollie Robinson spoke um, on a podcast, I think, on his own podcast, in fact, about having uh, had his own visa only arriving sort of the day before they initially went out. So, I mean, this is an area England really should have covered off, you think? Yeah, it's, it's an absolute shambles, to be perfectly honest. You know, we, we were all, we were all um, I think, a little bit um, indignant about uh, the Shah Bashir situation simply because, you know, the expectation, I think, certainly there were a lot of reply guys on Twitter sort of saying, well, England should have known the rules. It's like, how do you mitigate for a squad selection in December, a 19-year-old randomer being picked in December and then flying in January? It was on India to be a bit more expedient with this with this particular issue. It's not on India to deal with this one. This mm-hmm. one is entirely England's fault. It's uh, they're flying by the seat of their pants. I mean, a lot of the you know, a lot of the Basball era to, to, to over overreach the analogy, but essentially the Basball era is about not really caring about details. It's like, you know, vibes will get us get us where we need to go. Let's not bother with the nets. Let's not bother with this. Let's not bother with the, the small print of the visas. I mean, no, sorry, lads. There, there, has, to be, there has to be some some point at which you pay attention to the details. It's um, it's it's a it's a bad look on, on more than just one level as well. You know, it's uh, if you look at the, the bigger picture, you know, we're touching on it, but it is... It is a fact that the two guys who've encountered visa issues are Pakistani heritage England players. So you know it, it, it's not it's not just any two particular guys. The two youngest guys in the squad, both are Pakistani heritage, both being left thinking, "Oh my God, I've been forgotten about here by by my by my teammates." Essentially, you know, and you know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of collective buying, a lot of you know buying around the squad, all, all binding together in time to duress, and yet you let moments like this wriggle out and cause quite major embarrassment you know it, it, it's visas are visas are, an unnecess- are are a necessary evil in this current world aren't they i mean you, a lot of a lot of the uk narrative the government narrative is all about stopping the boats and stopping people coming in you know you can you can get indignance about about oh how can you how can you stop england england cricketers from traveling to a country but that i'm afraid is the world we're living in now the borders are shutting left right and center donald trump's going to shut even more when he gets back in power you know it it, it, it is on it is beholden on on england teams as representatives of the country to to actually do the necessary to to abide by the regulations that they face when they travel i, I don't think there's any way they can wriggle out of responsibility of this one and uh and as you say the the fact that they were able to get a two-day temporary visa to to get rayan past immigration is is great on the indian part but equally i mean you know it it, it will presumably be be totted up i think the the, the UK trade deal hasn't been signed off yet. I imagine this will be chalked up as a, uh, you know, we, we, you probably owe us a bit more for for letting you off the hook for this one. From Taylor Swift to Donald Trump to post Brexit trade deals, we are heading into the rough on this one. Not just. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, Vish, uh, England kind of need um, India to to sign off on this one for them because uh, one of the main things to come out of their uh, time away. Um, in Abu Dhabi is that Jack Leach w- won't be coming back to make use of his multi-entry visa um, because he was ruled out of the series with a knee injury. Um, no replacement called up, but uh, I mean that leaves England's um, spin fortunes in some, uh, some some well some young um, uh, inexperienced hands. They've, they've obviously done well on the tour so far, but it wouldn't help to lose another one of them to uh, to being deported. Yeah, well, yeah, definitely were. And they might actually have to call someone up then in that case. Um, <laughs> Liam Dawson crossing his fingers somewhere. 
Yeah, has anyone heard from him? (laughs) Has anyone heard from Liam Dawson? Um, Well, he he was quite happily celebrating the SA20 the other day, so he's uh, he's he's probably just um, in a in a pool somewhere in Cape Town. Why why would he answer his phone, frankly? Yeah, good point. Good point. And also, you know, he's got Matt Roller's cooling off period to consider as well. So (laughs) maybe maybe for the fourth test. yeah, it was interesting. Sokes addressed that today when, you know, it was put to him why he didn't call anyone up. Um, you know, I see, and he kind of, kind of batted it away. Really, we we were trying to we were trying to ascertain whether it spoke of the tactic going forward, which would be, you know, two seamers rather than your lone seamer as they have done for the first and second test. And you know, was, we were probably going to go in and talk about this quite soon, but um, he did announce that there's a twelve man squad for. Um, I suppose just for the 24-hour period between now and um, the start of that um, third test, uh, with Mark Wood joining the team that played in that second test. Um, so yeah, that that'll be the consideration to make it. it. From what I understand, it's it would be a shootout between Mark Wood and Joe Bashir. A lot will depend on how the pitch looks when England train last on Wednesday. Um, you know, which is day minus one. They've actually keeping their cards as close to the chest until India have had their last look at the pitch because, you know, they appreciate as a home board and a home team, they can kind of ask to do what they want to it. And, you know, so far it's served them pretty well, I'd say. Um, and that's what they're going to continue to do tomorrow. But I suppose this time around, it will be about whether they're going with one tactic or, or another. They've been, they were consistent in those first two tests with one seamer, there was never really a thought given to going with a with a second. Um, but now is the, you know, for the first time in the series, they will have to decide whether they're going two spin, two seam, or three spin, one seam. Um, obviously with Joe Root as the, as the all-round option in that regard. But um, yeah, it, it's interesting. I suppose selection-wise, it's probably the first decision that they could get wrong. Um, and on a pitch that they expect to be as flat as it was in 2016 where I think there were six different centurions and England had four of them um could be quite a long you know quite a long uh test match as well especially given that temperatures are supposed to reach about 35 degrees here on Saturday so it's a long day in the dirt for someone (laughs) um on just on um sort of whether England should call up or should have called up a replacement Miller we kind of talked last winter a lot about uh, managing resources and and whether players did want to tour uh, Bangladesh or whatever, and they ended up putting Will Jacks on on a plane from Christchurch to Chittagong or vice versa. And um, I mean, w- it would make sense to have a replacement for Leach, wouldn't it? There's still three more tests, um, and plenty could go wrong between uh, now and the end of the series. You've got three very very young spinners, um, and. Uh, and presumably someone like Liam Dawson or uh, other candidates out there um, would be keen to to come and join a test tour at this stage? Well, would they? I mean, that, that's that's the big question. I mean, the, given given what we know about England's reluctance to change teams, I mean, this this tactical change is not the same thing as changing the the personnel in a in a in, in an unchanged eleven. Um, and so, you know, you're getting you would end up getting back to the situation that probably caused Liam Dawson to not put his hand up in the first place. It's like, you know, I've got my SA20 deal, the ILT20 is ongoing. I'm quite happy playing cricket, winning a trophy as it happened last week. Um, and uh, I think I think as we as we discussed previously, he was a little bit 
frustrated with his England prospects, his England notion that all he ever does is come on tour and and just be be the backup and just asking someone to come along to be the backup, albeit the basketball environment is a fun one to be in by all accounts, but it's more fun when you actually feel like you're going to be involved in a, in a, in a, in a test match. And so, yeah, it, it feels, feels like they're sailing close to the wind, especially if, uh, you know, deportations occur, but uh, all things being equal, it does feel as though a lot of the, the zeitgeist at the moment is, is about the recognition that, that um, certainly the whole basketball ethos is about, you're here to enjoy yourself. It's a it's a tough old career, uh, and if you come on this test tour, you, we're not going to horsewhip you into the nets. We're not going to make you train endlessly. You're going to have fun because that actually is the best way to get the best out of you. But are you going to have fun if you're just sitting on the sidelines thinking I'm probably here on or just as a backup? I'm not actually going to play. I don't know. That that, that that's my that, my my thoughts on the matter. It doesn't necessarily mean it wouldn't have been a right wouldn't be the right idea. But um, maybe England decided. You know what? It's probably in the better interests of you know the bubble that they create around their side, not to not to sort of ask awkward questions of people who might arrive late and think, well, what am I doing here? I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm not a chance to play here, am I? Um, and well, I mean, uh, Vish has talked there about the potential change uh, to, to two seamers, um, uh, and I think you know you were. Um, not aghast, but uh, the idea that Ollie Robinson wasn't in contention uh, was an interesting one. If I mean, if England are going to play um, James Anderson again, and um, Wood would be the point of difference, I suppose. But um, but Robinson uh, on a, a pitch that offers a bit a bit for seam, if um, there's a suggestion there's a bit of grass around, um, then you would think he would come into contention. Yeah, I, I was slightly surprised about that. I mean, it, it, I don't think Mark Wood necessarily played at all badly in the first test there were just generally was nothing there for him um and you know his his spells ended up you know he's he's many things but subtle is not one of them and so you know when you compare him to the impact that Jasper Bubra's had with being a, a a 90 mile an hour bowler with craft and and guile as opposed to a guy who's probably going to get reverse swing at some stage of his his um outings but ne won't necessarily um be quite the same in incisive uh, angle. I think. I think probably judging by the way that England went about it with with James Anderson and and the the real as you say the craft that he put into his five wicket display in the last test. The idea of having two craftsmen coming into bowl slightly longer spells, keep the runs down, just just do this do the sort of um, almost sp inverted spinners donkey work that that you know you, on this on this tour the spinners aren't expected to to keep it tight and as as would traditionally be the case when you're rotating your seamers it's almost the other way around and so having two seamers who can bowl longer spells and go at two and over which uh, you could generally rely both on them both of them to do i just wonder if that would make more sense um but you know there's not a lot you can quibble with the way england have gone about the selection to be perfectly honest even though as i think i said in the last test i don't think they picked the right team yet i think they've, they've gone into spin heavy twice and broadly got away with it because of the faith that Stokes has in his spinners and their ability to keep being keep looking threatening, even when um, even when the circumstances don't seem to imply that they should be. Um, so hopefully, the, you know, the idea that you know if Anderson is there as the primary seamer and then Wood charges in and bowls his four over spells and really goes head hunting, that that could work. I mean, it's it's not out of the question. But like I say, I I, I feel like Robinson. Judging by what he did on flat decks in in Pakistan last year, which you know, as Vish says, if this pitch is anything like the 2016 test, 
here it'll be very much you know raw pindi vibes all over again mm. and that that worked out well enough for england in the end with their seam attack yes uh rajkot is the home of sarastra and and therefore jiteshwar pujara and ravindra jadeja um who are both i think both of whom have scored triple hundreds at this ground so um uh, england in 2016 uh, batted batted big um hundreds for Root, Stokes uh, and and Moeen Ali. Um, although then the suggestion is that, uh, at least from our colleague Karthik uh, Krishnaswamy, that it will, if it's not flat, it will spin. So I suppose um, that's the uh, the selection question um, that Vish touched upon that England need to get right. Um, the captain obviously is at the heart of these things. Um, I suppose presume he hasn't thought too much about his 100th test uh, whilst in, in Abu Dhabi for the last week. I I'm, would have been guessing that, it, it, you know, the, most of that time would have spent productively on the golf course, um, Vish, but apparently that's not necessarily the case. <clears throat> no, no, there wasn't really all that much golf, apparently, because, you know, the families are out there and um, families get in the way of your hobbies, don't they? So... <laughs> um, We're yeah, getting so in the way that. of vital uh, preparation of, for England's test team. Well, also that as well. Yeah, I suppose that's one way of looking at it. Um, yeah, um, he gave the most predictable Ben Stokes answer when asked about the honour of 100 caps. He said it was just a number and the, the next important one, you know, 99 was important as 100 and will be as important as, uh, and you know, 101 will be as important as the previous one and this, that and the other. And then we started, then we ended up chatting to him for about half an hour on basically the life and times of Ben Stokes, test cricketer. Um it's kind of re well. It's remarkable, really, because I was trying to think in terms of if you think of the journey he's been on as a cricketer. Full stop. You know, there's there have been a few reasons why you'd might have thought at various different points that he might not reach this milestone. And then you th yeah, you think back to the very beginning where I, I remember it was um, Will Smith, um, a cricketer rather than a rapper, who. Um, <laughs> you know, formerly of Hampshire and Durham, um, he was there at Jesley Street when Stokes was coming through the system. And I think it was Phil Walker who, um, you know, uh, at Wisdom Cricket Monthly now, previously All Out Cricket, um, was doing an interview with him. And Will Smith, for those who don't know, is a very straightforward individual, um, very nice guy to deal with, but rarely gets ahead of himself. And he asked, you know, and then Phil Walker asked him, you know, hearing some good things about this Ben, ben Stokes player, what's he like? And Will Smith, without hesitation, said, oh, he's going to be the best player in the world. He's unbelievable. He'll play 100 tests for England, this, that, and the other. Um, and so this was always something that was bestowed upon Stokes. This was always something that was promised of him by others because of how talented he was. And I suppose it's come about in very strange fashion because it was it's in a role that I suppose people didn't necessarily think he had in him as um, as a test captain. You know, test captains are meant to be from, to borrow a quote from Giles Clark, from the right kind of, you know, the right sort of family. Um, <laughs> they're supposed to be of certain stock, aren't they? And, you know, here's this, here's this guy who, you know, there are clips of him on CCTV doing things that he shouldn't be doing. And here he is leading, not just leading the England test side, but, doing so probably better than anyone has done before. And I say that as someone who um, wouldn't normally jump to those kind of, um, you know, th th those kind of comparisons. But, you know, certainly over the last couple of weeks, certainly after that last, uh, sorry, that first test, um, there were people who, you know, former England captains talking about how he's 
one of the best there is. There have, you know, there have been tour people I've met on tour groups here who um, who say unequivocally that he, he's better than Brearley because of not just his tactical now, but how he seems to empower those around him. And it, yeah, it's it's remarkable to think that um, he is front and centre of one of the most exciting England teams that we've had. Um, and it's come about through through longevity. Bear in mind, you know, he's um again, you know, he's he's not an all rounder currently. You know, he's not bowling. He's he bowled a bit in nets again today, but it's all just working back to it. So he has had physical problems as well. And yeah, it's uh it's gonna be a pretty I suppose a pretty special honor for everyone who's been along for the ride, but not so much for him. And maybe he'll reflect on that later on. But um yeah, it's uh it's a privilege to be here for it. And um, as he said today, you know, there's, there's plenty more to come. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, that's, that's one question, I suppose, is how many more uh, tests, how much longer uh, he is likely to go on with, with the injuries he's had. Uh, and so on, uh, Miller and, and the competing demands in, in the modern game, um, IPL, different formats and, and so on. Um, I suppose just to go in on, on, Stokes and and the uh, the greatness question and uh, great England all rounders really, but um, uh, his stats. We talk about Stokes and 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 disregarding the stats really, but thirty six uh, average with about thirty two of the ball. Uh, it's, it's the right side that you know the differential is going is a positive one, um, and he is three wickets shy of becoming only the third uh, player in Test history to have scored six thousand runs and taken two hundred wickets. Um, the other two names are bona fide greats. Um, where does Stokes sit in this, this pantheon of great cricketer or a cricketer capable of great moments? Oh, I think until he took over as captain, he was probably the latter. Uh, and now I think he is unequivocally the former. I think he is the best all-rounder England ever produced, not least because of this captaincy period that has just put the icing, the cherry on top of the icing. I mean, you talk about his stats there and it's... It, 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 uh, Almost the most interesting stat, as far as I'm concerned, is that he's already captained 20 times. So he's captained for a fifth of his test career already. It still feels like it's a new thing that Ben Stokes is England captain. But actually, he's been doing this a really long time now. His success is extraordinary. His empowerment, as you say, of his team around him is, is something else. And yet, you know, you think about the all-rounder sense of it. Uh, you mentioned that, 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 that 200 mark. He's been near 200 test wickets for about a year now because he barely bowled. But I was actually crunching the numbers. And you kind of think of Stokes in the Basball era as this sort of um, a sort of a literal field marshal guy, guy who's actually in the field but actually not doing anything. He's empowering other guys to, you know, off you go, Zach Crawley, you do that and you, know, you bowlers do that. I'm just going to sit back and let it happen. But actually, if you look at his numbers, he's averaging 38 compared to 36 with the bat and 32 compared to 30 sorry 31 compared to 32 with the ball so he's actually improved his own numbers even though he's he's actually stepped back and let other people be be the 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 driving force of the of 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 the wins he, he you know he's he's appeared at the at key moments you know cro cro cropping up with vital innings that set tempos or or set the team back on the back on the straight and narrow and he's popped up some important wickets until his knee gave way but uh, broadly speaking the empowerment has almost almost included him. He's he's he feels more empowered now because he's got a team around him that that he can just tweak and trust and let do their own thing, and the results are, uh, are shown for themselves. So, 
yeah, I mean, in the all-rounder question has never really factored in captaincy before. The, the, it was always the big, uh, the big caveat with both them in particular. It was probably as much for what if as much as anything else, given that you know the only chance he got against was against a great West Indies team and he got spanked. And then Flintoff, obviously, it devoured him on the Ashes tour in 2006-7, even though perhaps he had a he had a decent start in India the, the previous year. Um, but if the captaincy ate those two up and and it remains a question mark as to you know their their overall greatness, it has completely unleashed Stokes into a into a new realm of of greatness, as far as I'm concerned. It's um, you know the the reflected glory of the uh, performances that he's unleashed in the rest of his team is, is you know, you talk about Brearley, it almost feels like Brearley was was vindicated by, you know, he averaged 20 with a bat uh, and it was great that he was able to have both of them do, do his bidding for him. It doesn't feel like the same way with Stokes. He, he, is, he is doing the same thing with the guys around him, but he's actually the Botham of the team as well. He's the most talented player in that team still, but it looks at the moment as though Everybody in that in that dressing room is capable of a Ben Stokes performance because he has imbued them with the same brilliance that he that he's got in his own career, which is unbelievably complicated to do. And he's, he's pulled it off brilliantly. <laughs> uh, the captaincy has taken him up a level. Then um, the, the the other two players with six thousand Test runs and two hundred wickets, assuming Stokes does get a, get there. Um, are Gary Sobers and Jack Callis. So um, no uh, issues about um, those two. Obviously, both averaged more than, significantly more than 50 with the bat, which I don't think Stokes will get to, even if he does keep improving um, <laughs> those numbers. Um, I mean, with his, with uh, as a captain, I think Hyderabad was his 14th uh, win. So that's that took him past Mike Atherton. Uh, Nasser Hussain, next on the list, I think was 17. Um, his win percentage is 70 at the moment, which is below Brearley, which was 80. Um, and Vish, what's the sense of how long Stokes uh, wants to keep doing this, has the, has the appetite and the fuel in the tank to keep doing this? If he captains England for another couple of years, which takes us sort of through the, the ashes uh, in 25-26, um, I think, then... The, I mean, the, some of those numbers will be I mean, the the um, winningest uh, Test captain for England is is Joe Root. Um, for all for all, he's also one of the most losingest, I think. But uh, that that's uh, twenty seven wins. I mean, Stokes could breeze past that. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Ashes um, in what now eighteen months is it? Um, that seems to be the one on the on the horizon for him. The way he spoke about that um, in the lead up to this spoke of, you know, I suppose the colliding of a, of a few things, the fact that he wasn't on the last tour, um, sorry, that he was on the last tour, um, having come in late after taking that um, mm -hmm. mental health break and then having missed the previous tour um, because he was serving that um, ECB suspension because of the events of Bristol. Um, in 2017, there's a lot of unfinished business there. Generally in Ashes Cricket Forum, I think, but also specifically in in Australia. Um, I think broadly the um, you know the, his movement, quite simply his movement so far this series suggests that there's a bit more life in the body. Yeah, you know there were times last year you, where you kind of wondered if he was kind of throwing himself into early retirement, but he you know that knee operation looks to have done a stellar job and. You know, he and in England by proxy are better for it 
The thing I will say is it feels like a lot of Ben Stokes, England captain, depends on the situation around him. Now he's got a head coach in Brendan McCullum who's totally aligned in his thinking. He's got someone above him in Rob Key who is not only aligned in that thinking, but was also willing to challenge him. And, and their relationship is such that they, you know, they get on really well and that they can have quite robust conversations without losing any respect for one another. Um, you know, Rob Key always he always made this point, didn't he, where he said that I never that he never understood why people thought it was a good thing to have two people who were constantly, um, you know, constantly had this friction between them when it came to decision making. Because, you know, by that logic, that you you know it's good to have someone to disagree with. Um, but by the end, you know, there comes a time when that um, that relationship is, you know, falling by the wayside, really, and it doesn't really help anyone in the end. Um, so it feels like a lot of the things have to be around him. Um, you know, if uh, if you consider like the the contract negotiations that went on, that was broadly quite amicable. I know there was a lot of back and forth, and um, you know, some you know a couple of covert WhatsApp groups here and there, but. By and large, I think everyone was pulling in the same direction. And I think it's going to be the things outside outside the field, essentially, that are going to dictate how much time he, how much more time Stokes puts into the job. Because by and large, everything is as he wants it. The players, it kind of works with really, doesn't he? You know, he's, I don't think he's ever once complained about squad, in part because it's it's been quite transparent. And unlike Joe Rue, he's, you know he's got a, he's got a final say. He's got a deciding vote on on who's in and who's not. Um, but yeah, it does feel like it's good. It'll be things you know outside the actual cricket itself that are gonna um, affect uh, his his longevity in the role. Because um, I also think, by and large, he really enjoys it. I think he, you know, like to extrapolate on the all rounder thing. People are all rounders because they want to affect the game and. You know, in a in a broader sense, it's far broader than he would have imagined when he took to the field as an all rounder for the first time in his playing career. He's in a position where he can do oh so much. There's an argument to be made that Stokes is the most powerful person in English cricket, um, and it does it doesn't feel like it has to be a particularly long argument. I don't think many people would disagree with that. But he's in a great position of power, and I don't see him or any need for him to relinquish that in the next three or four years, certainly. I mean, uh, yeah, one of the most powerful people in English cricket, Millie wouldn't argue with that, but it's, it's quite, it's quite something to imagine from, you know, from the guy that um, was uh, famous for, you know, sort of fiery um, outbursts and uh, breaking his own hand, punching a locker. And um, we've had various stages of Stokes, 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 the sort of statesman and, and, and captain and, and father of the, Father of the the, the basketball flame, uh, or how many basketball titles can be carried at any one time? But um, yeah, it, it's uh, it's quite something that we've got to this point. Well, it is. I mean, it, I, I believe Vish was asking him how would he have captained himself, um, age nineteen or whatever, and he, he said he, that he'd have taken the piss in the basketball environment, which is entirely plausible because about at, at the age of about nineteen, there he was being sent home by Andy Flower from the Lions <laughs> tour. Um, he, you know, he was he was out drinking every night taking the piss i mean and andy flower said to him look I, I all you want to do is 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 piss up the wall you you've got all the talent in the world you're, you're not going to fulfill it and and apparently you know he he thought right i'll show you and within 12 months he was he was not only back in australia but back with the test team and then you know scoring that magnificent 100 in perth in the second test taking six for in adversity and, and all the rest of it 
Um, so, you know, he's he has, I suppose, you know, in terms of the, the firebrand that he was and 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 everything else that, that feeds into this father of the Baz Flame figure that he is now. I suppose it's because the his highs have been so high and his lows have been so low that he is oh so human when it comes to people looking up to up to him. You know, you, you come into the team as a as a rookie thinking, what's the worst that could happen? You've got Ben Stokes saying, you know what, the worst that could happen is you could fear your career will will, will never ever recover from a terrible mistake you made in Bristol. Or you can be hit for four sixes in Calcutta to lose a lose an unlosable final of, of, a, of an ICC event. You know, there are there are things that have happened to Ben Stokes in the course of his career that you know would be existential for for any other player, and and probably probably were at the time. They felt felt like, how do I ever ever get back from this? And he did through his own drive, through his own talent, his own belief that you know I can atone for this essentially. And I think atonement is a word he's he's been very clear in not ever using. I think he was asked whether, you know, he felt felt that felt that you know, the World Cup win was an atonement. He's like, no, I'm I'm just I'm just here doing trying to do the best I can every time I step on the field, which I suppose is is a great message to be able to send as a captain. It's like, look, I've I'm I've done this. I've been where you are. I've been a rookie. I've made mistakes, very high profile mistakes, but I'm still here and we're we're still winning. So off you go. Do your best. I'll back you. And then you know that 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 is is better than having having a a golden balls who's never put a foot wrong and doesn't know what it like what it is like to fail. You know, everyone loses matches, but not many people have lost in quite such a spectacular down in flames fashion as Ben Stokes has on the rare occasions that he has, and that I think is a really important part of his journey. Mike Brewley had a, a degree in people. Uh, Stokes has got a, a master's in life. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Moving on to uh, to the opposition, um, there's been some news out out of uh, out of the India camp as well, um, Vish, and, and there's going to be no Virat Kohli. It seems for the rest of the series, um, the uh, squad name for the final three tests, uh, missing him. Uh, no Kale Rahul for this third test. Um, question mark over Ravindra Jadeja's fitness as well, having missed. Um, Bizag. I mean, we talked last week about whether England had, had kind of blown a bit of an opportunity, um, but there's still quite a lot um, that, that India are sort of looking to pull together and, 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 and marshal their resources. Obviously, a formidable home record, but um, yeah, uh, England are going to have a, a, another shot at a team that is, you know, on paper, not as strong as it might be. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Although in saying that... Um, I think there's one player who there is quite a lot of admiration for um, from the England side, and that's uh, Safraz Khan. Um, it's been really interesting. Uncapped Safraz Khan as yet. Yeah, I think it's likely that he'll play this this third test now. That seems to be what the talk is. Um, mm -hmm. But I thought it was quite interesting that um, last week when he was part of the squad, he actually came on as um, a subfielder for the for the last part of England's. Um, England's chase as well, actually, and was under short leg, and you'd recognise him because he's a stocky little so-and-so. Um, but but um, I suppose what was really interesting, actually, was in the build-up to that game, when he was in the squad, the England players were referring to him as the guy who averages 70. Um, he's a kind of... I, I don't... I'm, I'm probably putting words in their mouth here, but part of me feels like there's a lot of admiration for him, not least because 
you know, because of that average, because he's got what he's got um, 25 scores above 50 and 14 of them are hundreds. Um, but he also strikes at 70. So he's one of their own in a way, um, certainly a man off their own heart. So I think he's someone who it'd be really interesting. This, this I feel like from an Indian perspective, with all due respect to Jasprit Bumrah, this series is missing an Indian batting superstar. Um, and that's natural when, when Kohli is, um, you know, unable to take part. And you thought KL Rahul was grasping it with that first test and certainly how he performed in that first test with the bat. But then obviously going on to miss the next two is not ideal. I think Safras could be that guy. I think you're, you, you see it in the crowd as well. You know, they, they want someone to, to really latch onto who's really going to nail England's bowlers. And no one apart from JS has really done that. Um, and even then, he's done that in quite a, you know, almost quite a dismissive way that the, this is just what he does. It needs a, like a little bit. There's, there's a gap for a superstar. And um, while well, Jaswal has absolutely done his bit, I think Safraz is is the man who could fill it. And it's something else for England to worry about, actually, because I think by and large, beyond Jaswal, they haven't been that proactive. And if you consider Shudman Gill's innings, largely started when it essentially he was. 30 for four to a point, you know, give a, give or take a couple of umpire's calls. Um, England haven't really, no one's really pushed England yet when it comes to their attack. No one's really taken, you know, really taken those young, young spinners for a ride. And there's every chance that Safraz could be that guy if he gets a nod here. Well, he scored 161 of 160 balls against the Lions. Uh couple of weeks ago so it's only one to look out for he could be uh in the middle order i think rajit patadar made his debut in the the previous test um so that would be um yes an, an interesting proposition for england to um to tackle i mean miller one of the themes obviously has been how england spinners have outbowled india spinners um however you sort of want to slice it wickets averages and so on uh which when you compare the personnel is quite remarkable um I mean, Kartik um, wrote a piece on the site about that, that how that challenge, you know, only gets steeper really from here. Um, and then the fact that India's batters perhaps haven't uh, capitalised where, you know, when when they might have done first innings in uh, first innings of the series, um, even in, in scoring sort of nearly 400, not quite 400 in, in, in Vizag, but only one player scoring more than 34 uh, in, in Jaiswal. Um <coughs> I mean, you would expect at some point that that it will click for India's batters in in their home conditions, um, but equally, it's the it's the challenge for for if well, if they play Rahan Hartley and and um, and Bashir again, or if it's just the the, the first two and, and a, with a couple of uh, seamers to to bolster the bowling um, and Stokes. I mean, it, that that's the challenge, isn't it? And Stokes is key, I suppose. Well, he is. I mean, key the, the Stokes's fielding placings have been exceptional and have kept his spinners in the game in the field but you know when you say England's spinners have actually outbowled India's I'd, I'd say England's batters have outbatted India's spinners I think that's been the key you know the, the use of the reverse sweep the proactivity the fact that Ashwin's going at four and over for the first time in his across the series first time in his career um, England have have taken the attack to the obvious threats I mean Jasbrick Boomer is a very different type of threat you know he once in a lifetime talents as opposed to you know the the expectation that India spin will be strong and lo and behold we've got Ashwin and 499 wickets to prove it but England have not been daunted by the reputation there and have gone after it in the way that India's batter so far 
have died in the holes overstating it. I mean, Jaiswal certainly wasn't, but they have they've they've stumbled at interesting moments, usually due to <clears throat> Stokes pulling the strings in the field and just goading them into making a mistake, whether it's playing a reverse sweep when suddenly you've put a you pack the leg side field, so you're forcing forcing so and so to, to play across the line in a way that they weren't planning to and and they get out. I mean, England have planned for those eventualities with their, their camps in Abu Dhabi and their, their mindset of, right, we're just going to attack here. Um, tee off, but not recklessly, as, as Shane would have put it. Um, so, yeah, you know, if, if you reverse the reverse the spinners on each side and, you know, you, England has suddenly got Ashwin and Co and, and India have got, got the Bashir and, and Rahan. Um, you know, I think England would England would have torn into their own bowlers. To be perfectly honest, you know, I, I think they've they bowled really well mm. in the circumstances they've been given against slightly timid batting and with fields that have really backed up their strengths at wicket taking. Uh, but the you know they've still gone at four fives and over almost exclusively throughout the series, um, and that's without going up against a t- an attack that's really taking them on. So uh, yeah, I mean, as Vish says, if Safraz is going to going to up the ante a bit then then that, that'll be an interesting challenge but equally you know given what Stokes will remember from the 21 series and Rishabh Pant in particular the way he he went after England spinners and uh, you know there was that early taster of of the basketball mindset when you know Jack Leach was bowling into the arc getting smacked over mid-wicket for six every ball in, in Chennai when England won uh, but England kept doing it because they knew it was the best way to get him out and I think that that's an important seed in 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 the way that Stokes goes about it, it's like if someone is going to go, go after his players, he will say, "Right, well, come on, in. if that's your best shot, take on the man on the rope. Go on, or take on the man who's halfway in and 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 miscue it in your attempt to go even bigger." Um, that's been the genius of, of his captaincy so far. Is at no point has he let the game settle. No point has he <laughs> abandoned hope when you know. Well, looking on at times, certainly in that first innings at Hyderabad, I was thinking, oh my God, this could get messy. And then suddenly, two wickets fall just because England have, have tweaked something in the field and India have just lost their lost their way in, 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 against the, the new challenge that's been placed before them. Uh, new and unusual challenge, it certainly is. India haven't lost... Um well, two tests in a series since England won there in, in 2012. It's obviously one all with, with three to play. So all up for grabs. Uh, Avish, before the series, you spoke to Stephen Finn, I think, about the importance of kind of winning over the crowds. Have, have you got a sense yet that India's public are falling in love with Basball and, and, and ready to cheer Stokes and co home uh, uh, across the final uh, three tests of this series? Um. Not if the comments under some of the articles I've written is anything to go by. I don't know how many fans there are winning, really and truly. But I think the one thing that, that has been noticeable is that people have been quite engaged in the in the tests, actually. You know, there was great attendance in um, in Hyderabad. And the feeling around Vizag was, you know, every, you kind of went into every day thinking, oh, this could be really interesting. Um, even that final day when England needed... You know, when they needed most of their 399 target, um, I think the you know, the, the idea that we could, sitting where we are right now, um, the idea that we could have a deciding test match in a five match series is quite exciting. Um, mm. and that has you know, I, I can't remember when the last time either of these two sides have been involved in anything like that. Um, so that in itself is. 
seems to be ticking over quite nicely here. I mean, you know, there's talk that if there's a decider, talk sport might actually come back and um, <laughs> do the series from India, which is that a measure of something? I don't really know. Um, but yeah, by and large, I think there's a general understanding and a general feeling here um, from what I picked up that this has the potential to go one or two ways. And this is the, this is the week where it go, does go one or two ways, I think. You know, if England can emerge victorious and great, if it's a high-scoring draw, and we know England aren't massive fans of those, um, but if that's out of their control, then, then still good. You know, we've got something on that last test. But it's been a, a slow and steady kind of um, bubbling of excitement, actually. And, um, yeah, now we've essentially got three test series to um, see us home. And saving test cricket is what what, what basketball's all about, Miller. Always. <laughs> um, before we go, a mention for our rebranded women's cricket podcast ESPN Cricket Info Power Play uh, keep an eye out for that over the next week or two they've uh, the girls uh, Fiddos and Valkyrie have already got interviews with Nat Siverbrunt and Laura Wolfhart in the can and there'll be plenty to discuss uh, with the second edition of the Women's Premier League coming up um, final thoughts from this end uh, gents plans of Valentine's <laughs> uh, yeah see my father-in-law that'll be fun <laughs> <laughs> with, well, the whole, with the whole family but you know what, what can you do um, but I'm, I'm going to Nets tonight so that, that, that'll, that'll, that'll be on Valentine's Eve <laughs> oh testing the back nice yeah yeah I'm, I'm, back, I'm back in the game yeah nearly there here uh, we go they say romance is dead not as dead as Miller's career has looked at times uh, but uh, yeah uh, surviving the, the metal plates in the back and and all um no cocktails for you uh where you are bish no no i shared a very cozy tuk-tuk with um athers today we're staying in the same hotel so probably more of the same tomorrow <laughs> well what could be more romantic than that lots could be more romantic lots, than that lots, yeah <laughs> fair enough uh, okay that'll do us for today the third test begins in rajkot with england hoping to put the moves on india again whatever you get up to on wednesday evening make sure to set that alarm for 4am for now, my thanks to Miller and Vish, and to you all for tuning in. Please feel free to rate us on your preferred pod provider and stay up to date with all the latest on ESPNCrickInfo.com. <laughs>